Welcome to After Wolfworks. Here with me, Rachel Forday, a podcast where we'll be talking about dogs, dog training, and more importantly, human social issues, both in the dog industry and in the world. Today we have Wen Yuan with us, who is the guardian to Jimmy the dog and Muffin the one-eyed kitty. Their adventures on Instagram are just beautiful, and I just love their pages so much. I also really wanted to hear more perspectives and experiences from guardians, not just dog trainers, on this show. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Let's get right into it. Thank you so much for being here with us. How are you today? Hi, Rachel.、Uh, thank you for having us. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. You and Dave have been such a huge inspiration to our learning progress, and it's so exciting that I'm invited. Like it's nerve wracking, but super exciting, and I'm so honored. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and of course, I'm also doing well today. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> I love that. Yes, I'm glad you're doing well. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do? Yeah, of course. My name is Wen Nguyen, and currently I'm a student at University of Maryland. And for Mom to Jimmy, the white pit bull with a brown patch over his right eye, I just love seeing that. <laughs> and Muffin, the one-eyed calico cat. Oh, and of course, like I first got to know you from Jimmy's Instagram, Jimmy Pink Paws, and he is very, very cute and clever. So, tell us about Jimmy and his story. Like, how did you end up getting him? It was like most great things. I think it was totally unplanned.、Mm. It was around a couple of months that we lost our previous dog, so I wasn't really like there was no headspace for me to get another or welcome another pet into our family. And I really thought that she was our last. But then, you know, my partner at the time was working from home, and he really just missed her presence. So it was Valentine's Day weekend, and he was like, "Hey, there's this adoption event in the city. We were living in Brooklyn at the time, so he was like, 'There's this adoption event. Why don't we just go and look? Yeah, you know, keyword look. Yeah." <laughs> So we're here at this event, and I see Puppy Jimmy bouncing off the walls in his enclosure. Oh! He was with his sister. He was climbing all over her. He was sitting on her shoulders at one point. And I looked at my partner. I'm like, "That's definitely not the guy we want." <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Because he, he he was just like too much. Right. So I naturally like gravitated towards his sister because she was calm and just kind of like hanging out. So we decided to adopt his sister.、Mm. But then you know I went to do the papers and then I came back and I hear my partner sitting there with two puppies in his arms. Oh, <laughs> and he was like, "They're siblings. We can't separate them." Right. So naturally, of course, we just. Decided to adopt both, but unfortunately, we didn't know at the time. But the litter actually had parvo virus, so that's that's pretty devastating. And so Lizzie didn't make it,、mm. but luckily, and then it's probably why, looking back, she was so docile. She was most likely very sick. Right, she wasn't well. Yeah, but luckily Jimmy made it and he recovered, and then here we are. Oh, Jimmy, 
but his name, his full name is actually James Robert. So, oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> James Robert, so we call him Jimmy or Jim Bob or Jimbo. Jimbo, <laughs> that's perfect. How old is he now, actually? He is six. Okay, so you've actually had him since he was a puppy, then? Yeah, yeah, like eight weeks something. When we looked at the pictures, like at the adoption event, he was the smallest in his litter. Yeah, like all his sisters and brothers are pretty big, and we actually connected through Instagram with his brother Dean. Right, <laughs> they all have such great people names, which is yeah. you know my favorite thing. Jimmy Dean, so we call him the Sausage Boys. <laughs> So cute! Oh, and also, like, is he still kind of that bouncy puppy he is now? Yeah, I think internally he is, but I also it's probably stems from a little bit of uncertainty for mm, him. Mm. You know, like the what, what's happening. So I'm just gonna bounce around because I don't know what's happening. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really common. I totally understand that. And I know now that you also have Muffin the cat, who has her own Instagram page. I love her <laughs> as well because I'm a big fan of cats too. And we just said this earlier, but that's my dream life. I want to have a cat and a dog. So you're living my dream. But how was it like integrating Muffin in with Jimmy? Oh my gosh. Ah. Uh... It's kind of boring to say, and I'm glad it's boring to say because yeah. it was really seamless. I think also because I don't know it may just be that Jimmy just came that way. Yeah. But when he was a puppy, we lived in an apartment building, and one of the tenants, she took care of stray cats in the courtyard. Yeah. And then she also had her own cat named Oliver. Oh. Uh, that we all called Ollie. <laughs> And he was such a chill cat. Yeah, he would just hang out in the hallways, the banister, just you know, looking around. So when Jimmy came home with us, he he saw him a lot. He had many interactions with Ollie, but those interactions were always really chill. Like, what's up, dog? Yeah. What's up, cat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that helped Jimmy a lot. Just. Seeing this cat that was unbothered. Yeah. So naturally, when I saw Muffin at our vet clinic, you know, I was I was thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, who is this? <laughs> I have never had a cat ever. Right. Like it never occurred to me. My family were not really cat people. So I mean, I didn't hate them. I I just never had this. Inspiration to care for one, but then we took Muffin home, and it was like <laughs> the rest was history. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> Do you know about like how she ended up with one eye, or is that kind of a mystery? Oh no, she came to the clinic from a Good Samaritan that saw her eye infection. Mm. It was really bad. It it was uh, feline herpes, which is pretty common. So she came to the clinic and. We couldn't save the eyes, so the vet had it removed. Oh, poor baby! But she's living her best life now, isn't she? Oh, she's amazing. She is absolutely amazing. But when we got her home, I remember having this elaborate like plan of, okay, Jimmy's gonna be in the kitchen. He's not gonna see her. Yeah. He will be leashed. I'm gonna go straight into the bedroom and put Muffin into the crate, and then Jimmy can just watch her from the hallway. <laughs> yeah. No interactions. 
And then so 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 the the night comes and I'm Jimmy's in the kitchen. I rush into the bedroom, I place muffin into the crate, and then Jimmy's like, "Oh, it's a cat! Oh my God, you got!" <laughs> she <laughs> he was kind of like judging us a little bit, like, "Oh my God, like calm down, folks. It's just a cat. It's just a cat. No big deal." <laughs> he says, "I've seen one before. I've seen one of these." <laughs> so so and then that was it. I mean. At least for Jimmy's part, because he was fine with her. Sure. But she was nervous with him, so we just kept her in her crate, like covered, so he wouldn't spook her. But then I think the second day, we took the crate into the living room because Jimmy's like completely unbothered. He's not coming close to the crate, so it kind of gave her time to adjust and explore his presence, I guess. Yeah. So when we took her to the living room area, she was fine. And I think by the third day, we just left the crate door open and then she just came out and the rest is probably just history. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I love that they get along fairly well. You know, I mean, a lot of people worry about having both cats and dogs. And even though with my Dave, I know he's generally okay with cats, but still there's always like, you want to be prepared, you know, you want to yeah. keep things safe. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. with, I guess, Muffin was really little at the time as well. She was like tiny, wasn't she, compared to Big Jimmy? Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you know this, uh, you know, you've perhaps been through this, but I know it can be really hard to find out about training and what kind of training methods you should use because there's just so much information out there and, you know, they can often contradict each other. So I'm always really understanding about like how dog guardians choose to train the way they do, because I know it's really hard. And so how did you discover like, training with positive reinforcement or, you know, force retraining? And how did you kind of decide this was right for you? I have to thank my partner and his boss. Mm. (laughs) When we first brought Jimmy home, his boss, she sent us two books, Clicking With Your Dog by Peggy Tillman and 101 Dog Tricks by Kira Sundance. Yeah. I actually didn't read Tillman's book, but the clicker was <laughs> was fascinating. Yeah. Like, I have this clicker in my hand. It sounds awesome. So naturally, like anyone, I Googled it, which led me to positive reinforcement training. And then that method re- really resonated with me. And then to my partner, he's constantly reminding me and asking me, how do I know how they feel? Uh, every time we talk about altering Jimmy, because, you know, like, I think, in, at least in the U.S., neutering and spay I don't want to get into that, but neutering and spaying is pretty common here. Yeah, for sure. So there's always a conversation, but each time we talk about it, he's always reminding me with that question. But but to be honest, though, like training to me at that time was still not really about animal felt welfare. Like it was still, it was still me centric, right? Right. I was using positive reinforcement, but I had like this mindset that. Jimmy was doing what I wanted and needed him to do, regardless of how he really felt about it. Yeah. It was still influenced from like a punishment mindset, I think. Yeah. So, but then it it had to change because when his reactivity surfaced, I started to dive into more readings about like dog behavior and animal behavior. And then I found this book called Are We Smart Enough to Know How Smart Animals Are Mm -hmm. by Franz DeWall. He's an ethologist and primatologist. And that really, like, changed the way I felt about dog training. Yeah. 
And I, I think from there, I decided, like, <laughs> I don't know how am I going to do it, but this is the way we have to go. So I started to become more interested in, like, cooperative care and consent-based techniques. And I was just, like, absolutely obsessed with finding ways to let Jimmy be himself. <laughs> yeah, kind of looking for ways to, like, understand how he feels and then mm -hmm. work with him through that, isn't it? Especially with reactivity issues. Was that quite hard for you? And how is he now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Reactivity was really hard. Really hard, I'm sure. So many dog parents can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. It's isolating and, and it just doesn't really good look good in public, right? Mm -hmm. But then that was the problem. Like it was still very circled around how I felt. And that's probably why we're so uncomfortable with it. It's not like if I started out feeling Jimmy's not feeling great, then if he did react it in public, then I wouldn't have that feeling of, oh, this is terrible. It would be like, oh, no, my, my poor baby, he's, he's uncomfortable. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. And uh, But I can understand sort of the feeling about, I guess, like how it looks to other people. I suppose particularly with Jimmy being a pit bull and, you know, like pit bulls are still banned in the UK and the whole like anti-pit bull rhetoric has a lot of roots in racism, of course. And I was wondering, like, has the stigmatization of pit bulls like Jimmy affected you particularly in that way? Like, are there the concerns that you have sometimes? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I, I think also with the development of technology, like people get their sources and information so quickly. Yeah. Like before, Jimmy's not my first pit bull, but our first pit bull, I have never felt any pressure, any kind of pressure. <laughs> yeah. If that made sense. I, I'm sure dog attacks has happened before but I felt like I know sometime in 2013 or something like I don't know what was happening but when we moved from Mongolia back to the U.S. and we were in New York it felt like dog attacks were happening all the time and and then we we have this pit bull <laughs> and I remember walking puppy Jimmy down the, the neighborhood and there were just bizarre interactions like we had a lady pointing the pointy end of a flagpole at Jimmy uh, what's that about <laughs> <laughs> and she was like oh is that a pit bull we had people we had I, I remember a man he his wife was walking by us and he she was looking at Jimmy and then her husband like rushed her by and said oh no look at it it's a pit bull this is a puppy by the way and I had People tell me that, oh, Jimmy needs a heavy hand because of his type of breed. <laughs> and it was so bizarre because I have never gone through that with my previous dog that I had, like, back in my high school days. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was a pit bull, but I wasn't having people stop me or tell me these things. But I think also because the news is just so easy to access now. Yeah. Like before, we were waiting for the, I don't know, the Washington Post to be delivered. <laughs> so it took some time. and Yes. <laughs> not everyone might see it at the time, but now it's like... Um, now it's like, the, you, know, you have your smartphone and breaking news and yeah. media is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 
so that that also makes like when Jimmy does have a reaction when it feels sort of more worrying I suppose if you worry about what people will say in that sense yeah and it made me feel like he had to be perfect which is the worst thing you can do to a dog really or anybody <laughs> any being is to put that pressure yeah I can imagine and I think that's probably what added to his reactivity to be honest so just kind of having that pressure to be perfect and us maybe almost doing too much would you say mm-hmm. overexposing like <laughs> yeah we were like okay socialization he has to be perfect he has to meet everybody you know all of the things that he shouldn't do <laughs> yeah I totally understand that worry there is sadly still really big stigma and I also understand that it's complicated sometimes mm-hmm. but I love that you get to show how amazing and clever Jimmy is through positive reinforcement and how well he can learn. Yeah, but at the same time also understanding, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Jimmy's a teddy bear and all that type, but I think like Definitely, for sure, understanding dog behavior is the most important thing. Mm. And getting that mindset of compliance out of the way. You know, like a good dog will do what you bid it to do at any given moment, wherever, whenever. I think that could also help. Yeah, understanding that they are their own person. (laughs) Their Mm -hmm. own little person. (laughs) What's your favorite training thing or like activity that you like to do with Jimmy? Oh, we oh he loves to, sh- to shred boxes. Yeah, <laughs> so we we definitely have like shredding sessions in the yard, and that's probably the best thing. I I just love seeing it. I always call it like his recycling job, <laughs> <laughs> flatten out boxes. Uh, he charges by hourly rate, kind of thing. <laughs> he does it so well. Yeah. Um, and then recently we also added the jolly egg. Okay. I have I have no. <laughs> I've seen it before, but I just never considered it. And then a few weeks ago, we got the jolly egg and and it was magical. (laughs) Right. Oh, my goodness. But I hope that it's magical and not causing some kind of frustration. Yeah. I I don't know. I think you you have to watch the video and tell me. (laughs) It's this hard plastic, non-toxic, hard plastic material in the shape of an egg. Mm -hmm. And I guess his desire to grab onto it, but he really can't yeah so it's like this fun i hope fun activity where he's just pouncing on it and trying his best to grab hold of it oh basically that's great and how about muffin like what training do you do with muffin or like games that you play with muffin i'm so glad that i had experience with jimmy so now i can kind of pass on activities to her yeah but we do set up like enrichment stations we have like a cat tunnel and this like food puzzle mm. cat it tree I, I don't know if you've seen it there's yes. like three late three levels of where you put the treat in and then i have like these tiles with little dips like a little hole dip where i can place treat in so basically i would hide the treats and spread it around these stations and she'll go and sniff them out I adore it so much watching her do it. Oh, I love that. Cats deserve enrichment too. <laughs> and, and before she didn't used to snuffle for the treat because I would, at the base of the food puzzle, there's like a tray. Yeah. And then I would put like crinkly toys all over it. 
but then also scatter treats in. Yeah. And before she had no idea what, what this is about. Like, what am I supposed to do? But then now she started actually snuffling for her treats. Aww. It was really exciting. I was like genuinely excited. With cats and with some dogs as well, I feel like sometimes it takes a little moment. Like with my cats back home in Singapore, they were initially a bit suspicious of the snuffle mat when they first saw it. Um, but Kenzo, who has passed, was a very brave boy and he pretty much just went for it after a while. And then Kimmy, who's a little bit more of a nervous girl, kind of followed and watched and learned from him. And now she's really great at snuffle mats and puzzle toys and stuff like that. It's just really cute. <laughs> it's super cute. And then Jimmy's very polite. Um, you now he'll watch her with her uh, stations. And then when she's done, he, he'll go and make his round and make sure that she's gotten all the treats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll steal them. It's fun to watch them both. So cute. I just love hearing about people and their animals and what they do together, as I'm sure many of my listeners do as well. So now I just wanted to turn the attention back to you a little bit, because of course, this podcast is always talking about the human end of the leash. So what was it like for you growing up as an Asian person in the US? My family is from Vietnam. We immigrated to the U.S. when I was six years old. We moved to Highsville, Maryland, where most of my family are still living. Yeah. And the neighborhood that we grew up in was very multicultural. So I've had plenty of interactions with a lot of neighbors and classmates from my schools from various backgrounds and ethnicities. So it, in general, it was pretty comfortable because we're, you know, we're just kind of all here together in this melting pot <laughs> sure exactly how america was advertised uh, yeah you know what i mean <laughs> but then i also was unique because while it is diverse i was still like a handful of asians when a lot of vietnamese girls like me there were asians of course but then they were different <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is something that a lot of Americans kind of have a, a not an understanding of, like Asians are usually grouped together. I also remember giving myself an English name. Like in the third grade, I was in a playground. I can remember it so clearly. This teacher approached me and she asked me what my name was. And of course, I said Gwen, naturally, because that's my name. Uh, and then she said, Gwen? Oh, no. <laughs> and... I thought about it for a moment. I, I could, I, for some reason, I still can remember kind of like my face having a, a moment. And then I decided, yeah, Gwen. <laughs> so you just went with it. <laughs> yeah, my name is Gwen. And then from then, I, I introduced myself as Gwen. And I didn't start using my real name again until like sometime in college. Wow. So it's quite a long time that you use that name. Yes. In fact, when I started to go back to my real name, I was a little surprised myself. I, I like didn't recognize it. I remember sending an, uh, a friend an email and then I signed it with when. And then when I got the response back, he was like, oh, you, you sign your name with your real name. You're growing up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Was it also frustrating because you had to like correct people on the pronunciation of your name a lot? Yeah, I think... We make a lot of accommodations mm. just to fit in. I guess we kind of silence ourselves a little bit, our story, our background a little bit. Yeah. Just to find this harmony that 
probably didn't help. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. It's like not wanting to be like too much trouble. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you could just call me Gwen. Like- yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so weird because I embodied it so much that I didn't even recognize it until much later. Mm, that's really interesting. And I like that you brought up another point in there is that as Asian people, sometimes you all get lumped together. Mm-hmm. But it's important to be specific when, you know, we need to be specific. Oh, for sure. I mean, I actually didn't, even the question of like, where are you from? Yeah. Kind of. (laughs) I didn't even feel like I could comfortably answer that I'm from Maryland. Yeah. You know, like this confidence, like, where are you from Maryland? (laughs) I had to like say an entire story. Right. My family's from Vietnam. Uh, we immigrated here. I was six. I'm like, oh my God, why, when can I say Maryland? <laughs> mm. And then I think there's a point as I'm getting older and I have like this conversation with myself like, oh, I feel like it's unfair if I say that I'm Vietnamese because there's me, there's Vietnamese American, and then there's Vietnamese people. Yeah. And I'm a little bit removed from it. I'm not saying that I don't want to be Vietnamese. That's different. But, Mm. you know, I think completely in English. There are norms that I have adopted, and I feel like it's unfair if I said I'm Vietnamese. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Also, have you faced any racism or microaggressive uncomfortable interactions with people particularly when you're out with jimmy but also in your general life oh oh well uh, i'm i'm so passive and i'm so non-confrontational and also an introvert so it's kind of like uh hiding somewhere so it doesn't really become uncomfortable i mean i remember when i was 13 and an adult asked me where I was from. And I, you know, I said, oh, oh, finally, I said, I'm from Maryland. And of course, I get the response. I know, but where are you really from? I really thought that that was like a one-time thing. You know, like, oh, it was just this person. So, so I'm like, oh, oh, right, my family's from Vietnam. And here I am in Maryland. <laughs> yeah, sure. But then, here we are, 2022. And my partner and I, we moved from New York to Maryland. And our usual trail of walking Jimmy and we see this elderly lady all the time. And then and then our interaction with her was the exact same thing. Yeah. But she was talking to my partner and she was like, oh, where are you guys from? And my partner's like, Maryland. He's actually from New York, but it really didn't matter. Yeah. She says, I know, but where are you really from? And he continued to repeat like, hey, I'm from Maryland. But she insisted that he was Chinese. Oh my goodness. Like she was really insistent. And, you know, we're we're just like, okay, well, okay, have a nice day. So it's it's really bizarre. Like she I don't know, I don't know if I can appropriately respond. I think it requires a lot of guidance, a lot of training, I think too. Like no matter how much you read and you understand and you know about these issues, but when you do experience it, it's still difficult to address it. Yeah. I think particularly, I mean, that situation aside, but it's, you also have to worry about your own safety, Mm -hmm. you know, how will someone respond to you if you were to really insist or, you know, have a discussion about it even, Um, how will they respond, I suppose. Yeah. So that can be really hard and I totally understand. I mean, I am also 
quite a passive person and it's really hard so I sometimes talk about how we can say oh you've got to advocate for your dog but when we are of like a marginalized community when someone kind of picks on us for our dog or for the race that we are it can be hard to fight back because you have to worry about your safety and your dog's safety Mm -hmm. and so sometimes the best option in my point of view sometimes the best option I take is just to quickly walk away (laughs) which is unfortunate at the same time I mean like how do you have a conversation yeah like this is happening in real time you know it's different when you go home and and you raise awareness to it. But in some ways, I think it's helpful that we are able to address it in real time, comfortably and safely. Yeah, absolutely. That's important. Folks listening will know that I feel like the dog training world has a long way to go in terms of being anti-oppressive and understanding what people are going through. And for dog guardians, this can have an impact as well. So just from your point of view, do you feel like there are ways the dog training industry can better support you as a dog guardian? Oh, that's a, that's a big and tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to like turn it around and ask you too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I mean, how do you add like cultural awareness classes for dog trainers? That's a good one. To certification, you know, to the certification process. I know that in the U.S., the Asian and Black community is still among uh, the groups that are least likely to own a pet, according to the American Housing Survey. So there's definitely a ton of support that is needed in those communities in terms of like dog training and even how to care for a pet, like vet visits, etc. So how can the industry you know, draw up a plan to help yeah. to spread awareness? But then also at the same time, how do you support and reach those communities without... I don't know, there's like this weird mislabeling of uh, force-free R-plus community being like a privilege. Do you know what I mean? Right. How do you provide support without, in some ways, ostracizing? It's concerning because I, I fear it could be used in some ways to advocate for aversive tool use and it's so much easier. Mm. You know, like you just go into a pet store and yeah grab whatever it is you need and watch someone from <laughs> tv <laughs> because it's just so much cheaper and you know quality courses are pricey so it it's how can the industry build that bridge to reach communities right these are some really important thoughts and questions you've brought up First of all, you're absolutely right that there needs to be more cultural awareness. I hope it can be part of CEUs or, you know, continuing education units, which a lot of trainers do. So why not have that be a part of it? Like you say as well, you know, quality educational courses that have to do with like training and behavior can be costly and not always accessible. Certification processes are also not often accessible in the dog training and behavior world. I mean, I don't have all the answers, but I feel like having these discussions is helpful in thinking about what can be done to better support people and reach more people who do want or need training. So I really appreciate you sharing how you feel here. Finally, where can people who want to learn more about Jimmy, Muffin, and you follow you and see more of their journey? Oh, oh yes. Um, really easy. I have a, we have an Instagram. 
account. So for Jimmy, it's at Jimmy Pink Paws. Yeah. And for Muffin, oh, Muffin's kind of complicated. It's <laughs> it's at one period eyed period muffin. One eyed okay. muffin. Yeah. That's not too complicated. That's a good one. <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, all of those will be on the show notes on our website. And before we go, I just wanted to ask, is there anything else you want to say or want to add? Oh, besides, oh, I, I forgot to mention Muffin is learning how to use buttons to communicate. Oh. And it's been almost a year and she knows 12 buttons. That's amazing. <laughs> Recently, I added want and raining. And she has just been exploring those buttons so much. And it's just so amazing to watch her learn and communicate. If you're not uh, aware, uh, there are augmentative and alternative communication devices mm -hmm. for people with speech and uh, speech impairment. But Christina Hunger, who started the entire thing with her dog Stella, it just like kind of exploded. And so I just really wanted to get on that with Muffin and it's been such an amazing journey oh can you tell me like what are the other words that she knows she knows like outside of course mom papa jimmy play brush which is so so interesting because she doesn't like to be handled yeah and when i introduced the brush button it was really something in her repertoire like i hate being handled but i need to brush <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> so she would press brush and then go to her mat, and I would I would be able to brush her for you know the limited time that she wants to be brushed. With there's no way. <laughs> Otherwise, she she's not that kind of cat that wants to be handled. That's a really cool use of that. I've never thought of that. She sounds like the most clever cat ever. <laughs> it's just so neat. Um, I think, sorry, I'm going on, but no, just the last one about her buttons. So we recently added raining to her word list and there was a week that it was just raining every day. And then afterwards, it was clear. So I was inside, I wasn't paying attention. I saw that the forecast said it wasn't raining. But then Muffin looked out the window and she came and she pressed raining. And I said, no, Muffin, raining's all done. I pressed raining all done. And she looked at me for a little bit and she's like, okay, outside. I'm like, all right, fine, let's go outside. So we both walk out to the door, and when I opened it, it was pouring. But she stayed at the door, and she looked outside, like, ah, oh, this woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so she ran out straight into the deck, and then, like, after, like, a minute, she ran back in. And then I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Muffin, outside raining. I pressed outside raining. And she was standing in front of me, and she stood for a while, and she looked up at me, and she, and she pounced on me. Oh, <laughs> that's what I said. I I know I could be making this all up, but it just felt so context-wise. It just I don't it was it is it a coincidence? I I don't know, but it was quite comical. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. There's still a lot of research going on, and I, yeah, I, I think it's amazing that I mean these little moments happen. I think it's so sweet. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for being here thank with you. us, and your perspective as a dog guardian is so valuable and important. And I hope that other dog guardians listening can feel like they're not alone in like whatever struggles that they are having, and that dog trainers listening to this can take some of those thoughts on board, and you know we can think about how we can make this industry better more accessible and reach more people for sure i really appreciate you coming on here thank you again 
oh no thank you for having me i hope i was adding something valuable really honestly (laughs) for sure you were thank you so much we'll chat again next time thank you take care bye thank you all so much for listening As mentioned, you can find links and transcriptions in our show notes. If you can't find the link in the description, you can find them on my website, dogatheart.co.uk slash podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support us and what we're doing, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash dogatheart. And you can get updates about future guests and episodes on our Instagram at dog underscore at heart. I'll see you in the next one.